Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. happening guys happy wednesday and thank you for joining another special episode of your welcome presented by DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the ufc download the DraftKings app use the promo code chael to get in on the action coming up on today's show nick diaz is finally back and i've got some news about him that will blow your mind plus daniel cormier has some more words for Conor McGregor, and I'll do a little UFC 266 preview. But before all of that, I want to begin by recapping what we saw on Saturday night. Anthony Smith, and I've got to give you a full disclosure, okay? Anthony Smith and I were teammates at the Rain Training Center. We are friends to this day. We are also colleagues. We work together at ESPN. I share that because no different if talking to you about Kevin Lee, I don't come to you with a biasness. I apologize. I'm extremely biased. I get it. I just want to disclose that for everybody. But something happened on Saturday, which was Anthony Smith's post-fight interview. I know Anthony. I've known him for years. I knew him when he was competing on the regional scene, and at one point in his life, he had a record of 12 wins and 8 losses. That sucks. A guy like that's not going to get an opportunity. A guy like that is not going to get pulled from the regional scene up to the majors. He did. How? Who vouched for him? Who respected him so much that they put their name on it and went into Dana's office? Because that is the only way that a guy with that kind of a record made it. Somebody did that, and probably multiple people. And Anthony would come into practice every day the same. Quiet. Bag on his shoulder, set it down, do his work, and leave. It was a Mr. Social after practice. He had a mission, and he was clear, and you could see it, and you respected it. And even to this day, I cannot pay Anthony Smith a ton of compliments anywhere in fighting. I can't tell you, oh, that's the most masterful boxer. Did you see those hands? Oh, what about that speed? What about those feints? What about those setups? What about the dynamics of his kicks? Oh, that ground game, that sure is... There's nowhere... But goddamn, he can get down in a fist fight, can he? I mean, he just has a little bit of everything, doesn't he? And he's not scared to fight. And he does not question his conditioning. And he does not doubt himself anywhere. And he just plugs along. I mean, to look, they put something out on social media. I could have this number on, but I believe that was his eighth main event. If I'm wrong, it was his ninth. Eight main event fights in the UFC after on the regional scene losing almost 10 the number one contender that's been official before he has officially been the number one contender thus fighting for the world championship he is arguably the number one contender right now and when he came to you after that fight and he told you I want my respect 
That was not just adrenaline. That was not just a guy who was caught in a moment and the camera was going and he was excited. That was a guy who you don't know terribly well that was sharing what was inside of him. What makes him tick? What took him from 12 and 8 on a regional scene, coming into the rain training center twice a day, every day, moving forward with his little fight career, little goals to be a cage fighter, to 10 years later headlining events on ESPN? And he just told you what it was. He just told, he opened up his heart through his mouth and he told you what it is. He's fighting about respect. It's a big deal. It's a big deal for a lot of people. And it's a big deal for him. To watch Anthony have this level of success is just very pleasing. To watch Anthony continually to be counted out of fights. And I can see his curiosity going off every time I watch him compete. I was at a grappling event. Sean Wheelock put it on. We had a great time. Four on four. We had four teams. We did this dual meet format. I could be one of the coaches. It was great. But Anthony Smith was at that. And Anthony knew that I knew Craig Jones. And Anthony knew that I knew Gordon Ryan. But Anthony didn't know these guys yet. He didn't know how to meet them. And they were at the event. And Anthony wanted to get a one-on-one. He just wanted to pick their brain on a few things. So I called Craig. And I believe they even matched up. They at least matched up for a talk. Whether they got down and they worked on some stuff or not. Anthony expressed his interest in getting to learn from Craig Jones. Anthony over the weekend went for Craig Jones's heel hook. Now, is that a coincidence? Maybe. Did he ever get that time with Craig? I would assume. But did he study Craig? Did he recognize Gordon? Does he see what they're doing in these other fields? Get their matches, slow it down. Maybe get a video on flow and watch it three or four times and then go work on it in the garage. Old school. Move the coffee table out of the way. Grab, grab a friend and start working on Helix. Maybe. I know I'm close. I know I'm close. And Anthony's now... Do- Anthony Smith went for a heel hook? What? Yeah. Yes. He went for a heel hook. Yes. He did many grappling techniques. He finally finished the fight with a grappling technique, which, by the way, he set up with those big Anthony Smith lefts and right hands that you're all used to. It's, it's incredible. To watch a guy grow, I mean, this is the major thing that you want to look for in a guy's career. If you still want to be on the bandwagon, if you still want to be a believer, if you still think a guy can be a contender, you have to be able to see and identify that growth. Many guys will get very far up that mountain and they'll stop and, hey, that's the best you can do. And you realize that things are slipping a little bit. I'm not as curious. I'm not as motivated. Oh, my body hurts a little bit more. You'll start to realize these things and you'll dig in. You'll try to hold right there. And that might get you a few more paychecks. That might get you a couple more years. You just try not to slide down that mountain. Wait to see how many more guys can catch you. When you have a guy like Anthony Smith who is moving forward in his progression of techniques, he's opening up the arsenal to the fact not only did he finish the fight with a submission hold, He went for a heel hook. The same heel hook he told me. I'm personalizing this, but he told me in 2017 he wanted to learn from Craig Jones to the point that he asked me to connect these guys in a text message. It's incredible. And you can't get to where Anthony Smith has got, and you can't keep your spot, and you can't go any further if you don't maintain 
that youthful curiosity, that willingness to grow, to find guys in other sports that apply to your sport and get to them before somebody else does. You guys aren't going to know Anthony Smith very well. You're just not. He doesn't let you in. He doesn't he doesn't express he doesn't open up. I'm telling you as somebody who's known him for a meaningful period of time. That post-fight interview he did was from the heart and it was the closest you've ever gotten to the real motivation behind Lionheart. So Anthony Smith was last weekend, and coming up on Saturday, we've got UFC 266, Volkanovski versus Ortega. The Bullet taking on Lauren Murphy. Nick Diaz returns to take on Robbie Lawler. I'll get to some of that next, but first, here's a word about today's presenting sponsor, DraftKings. UFC 266 is coming right on our heels, and DraftKings Sportsbook the official sports betting partner of UFC, has a knockout offer for this weekend's fight. DraftKings is offering new customers $150 in free bets instantly if you bet just $1 on any fight before the main event. That's right, guys. You bet $1 on any UFC 266 fight and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you $150 in free bets instantly. Don't worry if MMA isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds on promotions like football, golf, and so much more. DraftKings is safe, it's secure, and it's reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your money whenever you want. Don't miss out on the action at UFC 266 with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code CHAIL when you sign up to receive $150 in free bets instantly if you bet a dollar on a UFC 266 match. Use the code CHAIL to receive $150 instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Let's talk 145 pounds. So the main event in the World Championship which adds to it the flavor and the flair of coming off of a great season of the Ultimate Fighter, but Volkanovski and Ortega. Now, Volkanovski is going to have to be very careful. If he's not very careful, he is going to become the greatest featherweight of all time. He is in that discussion now. He just does not have the longevity of, say, Jose Aldo, who did it for 11 years. And you pass the torch into Connor in there for a cup of coffee. You pass it over to, to Max Holloway, who Volkanovski's already been in there a couple of times with. Volkanovski is a problem in every sense of the word. And he comes from a rugby background. Ariel teases me for always telling the story that Volkanovski used to weigh 96 kilograms, which converts to a 211 pounds. But I think that's extremely relevant to us to look at the discipline that it took a 211-pound man 
to convert his body to 145 pounds is extremely evident in the cardiovascular display that he has as an athlete. Volkanovski goes as hard as anybody. And that's sometimes hard to see if you're a viewer. You see the left hand, you see the body shot. That is kind of hard. You go watch a Volkanovski fight and you go, wait a minute. He threw 20 more punches than the other guy in the last minute. And there's been 15 minutes. He threw another 100 punches in his opponent. That's what Volkanovski does. Volkanovski busted on the scene for me. When he was brought in, in my opinion, to be a lamb, to go to slaughter against Chad Money Mendez. I remember when that fight was going, Volkanovski, guy from New Zealand, is going to get crushed. And he ends up putting a pretty good ass whipping on Chad. And it even made Chad second guess his career. Now, Chad did not know at the time, hey, I just lost to not only the best in the world, I lost to possibly the best to have ever done it. Chad knew what I knew, which is, hey, this kind of unknown guy just got the jump on me. Okay, but this is still where Volkanovski jumps off the page. And he put a pressure, and he dealt with a pressure from Chad. And not very many people can. Nobody can match Chad's strength, and most people can't match his endurance. He's a great competitor. And Volkanovski did. Okay, so... Now I know who Volkanovsky is. But when you do look at this output, I don't know where his weaknesses are. I don't know that I could I, I could wisely advise an athlete. If I'm coaching the athlete, hey, go out and take this guy down. I don't see those openings. I don't see where Volkanovsky gets extended, where you can come under, you can slip by something, you can get to the body, you can get to the hips. I don't see these opportunities. Hey, if he gets on top, you know, you got to worry about the elbows, but don't worry about him passing. No, that's not true. He'll elbow you while he's passing, Khabib style. He'll come back, look look to transition to a full mount, start threatening arm triangles. I mean, he, he's a problem everywhere. He was a nuisance everywhere. He can take a hell of a shot. Oh, by the way, he's coming forward. I mean, he's shown in his progression a little bit of everything. He's dealt with the reach of Max Holloway. He's dealt with the power of Money Mendes. I mean, he's shown a little bit of everything, and if he's not careful, he is going to be recognized as the greatest 45-pounder out there. But hold that thought, and you want to know why? I think Ortega beats him. I think Ortega beats him. Let me tell you guys what I know, okay? I was on vacation, and I'm not vacation guy. But I got my wife out of town, and uh, John Bardis had a place, and he let us stay in, and we got to San Diego, and we had a vacation. I get a phone call from Daryl, Christian, Coach Daryl. Coach says, uh, hey, you're only about 20 minutes away before I'm going to be trained. I'm going to do a private workout if you would like to come watch. I said, yeah, I, I think I would. Who's going to be there? He says, well, TJ Dillashaw. This is before TJ had his comeback fight with Sanhagen. This is just when TJ's making the comebacks. That's interesting to me. I haven't got to see TJ in a long time. Juan Archuleta, who was the sitting Bellator champion, and Brian Ortega. I said, what? The, these three killers are, uh, are going to come do a workout that only I'm going to be able to see? All right. Now, I can't tell you guys anything that happened in the workout. I just can't. It's the rule. But I will tell you that Brian Ortega has only had one problem in his entire fight career. It happened in round four against Max Holloway, where Max was just too much. It was too much output, and Ortega even talked about it. And Ortega said, man, I was so tired. Not only could I not hit him, I could not hold my hands up to block him from hitting me. Now, that is as straightforward and accurate of an assessment as you could possibly give yourself. That is what happened. 
Max was able to outwork him. Max had been in that spot before. He understood what it took. He, he managed his energy. He was just in overall better shape. That's true. All I will tell you about this workout that I saw is that Ortega has fixed that problem. That's all I can tell you. Ortega will not be outworked or shut down 20 and 23 and 24 minutes in. And that is saying a lot when you're dealing with somebody with the absolute aggression of Volkanovski. I really believe that, though. I really believe, based on what I saw, I really, I really do believe that Ortega was able to assess that and fix that within himself. I am not ready to tell you that Brian Ortega is a better fighter. I'm not. Volkanovski is a different animal as an athlete. As pure testosterone that is going through his body, he is a different, create a different wand waved over him. But Ortega's dynamic, and Ortega doesn't go away, and he'll hit you just hard enough, and he'll threaten you with that ground game just enough that you think twice about going there. It's a very, very interesting match, which is going to beg the question, right? You're going to have a lot of eyeballs on this, and it's not just because of these guys. You also have... Diaz and the bullet on it, right? You got a lot of help. It's not just fight week. It's international fight week. It's a big damn deal. So whoever gets blessed with this spot, and it's these two, and whoever comes out of that, what do they do next? And as you look at 145 pounds, I mean, look, Giga has been insulting Max Holloway, and he's been getting away with it. But you're only going to back Max into a corner and have him be polite for so long. Something tells me Giga is getting to the end of that rope. Now, Max, before he responds to Giga and gives Giga what he wants, and what Giga's trying to lure him into is a number one contender's fight. Very smart move by Giga. Everything Giga does. I love everything this guy does. But I love that he's calculated. I love that he has a plan. He's trying to lure Max into a number one contender's fight. Max might be in a spot where he doesn't have to fight Giga and gets to go on and fight the winner of Volkanovski or Tag if he just keeps his mouth shut, doesn't add any fuel to the fire that Giga's starting, and can just buy himself a week, he could find himself in a championship spot. So that's what you have going at 145 pounds. But that's a lot of ifs. That's a lot of buts. If Ortega gets the jump on Volkanovski... I think Volkanovski probably gets that rematch. What's that mean for Max? Right, It's one of those things. Max has already fought both of these guys in Orgatega and Volkanovski. Are you looking for some parity? Are you looking for some fresh blood? What kind of damage are these guys going to take? How long of a layoff are they going to need? I don't know these answers, and neither do you, but these are the reasons why we can't put all these places in. It's also why it's very smart of Giga to align himself on a guy whose dance card is open and who for sure... We'll make you the number one contender. So there's a few moving parts here. The focus is on 145 pounds. The culmination of many, many months of an ultimate fighter season is all going to come to a head. And when it's done, you're going to be left with the same question regardless of outcome, which is who is next? Now, I know that Volkanovski and Ortega is the main event and that you guys are excited for it. But if you're an old school fan of the sport like me, you probably are looking at Nick Diaz and Robbie Lawler as the real main event. What Errol Hawani would call the people's main event. And I got a little secret about Nick I want to share. 
Oh, guys, guys, I am sitting on one. I am sitting on one over here. Now this, I have to disclose, came from Tommy from the Bronx. Now Tommy from the Bronx and I are pen pals. You guys probably know him on Twitter. He's got a podcast. Tommy has been my source to the Diaz brothers for about eight or nine years. And I know the Diaz brothers. Getting them to answer the phone, a little bit harder to do. And Tommy always knows what's going on. And I mean like two months in advance, Tommy knows what's going on. Tommy told me that Nick was fighting Lawler, which I never came and told you guys because I didn't believe it. I didn't believe it. I, I didn't see where that match came from. And I think if Nick comes back, it's not going to be with Lawler. And the point is, he's right a lot of times. And I said, Tommy, I, I, I got to run with this story because this is a big one. But I got to drop it in your lap in case it doesn't happen. He's like, I get it. Go ahead. Now, I'm burying my lead. And I will preface that, of course, things can change, right? But hear me out. Tommy believes. If Nick beats Lawler impressively. I don't fully know what that means. I don't know if that means he's got to stop him or it's not a close match. I, I don't totally know what impressively means. And I've heard other people say, that, well, if he beats him impressively, he could earn a title fight with a dominant win here in the game. Get, oh, a win just won't do it? <laughs> I mean, a win in the UFC won't just, it seems like a pretty big deal. It's got to be a dominant one. All right. Here's what he maintains. If Nick gets the jump on Robbie, he in the ring, will call out Khabib Nurmagomedov. 170-pound super fight. Before you start to share your opinion on whether that is accurate or not, let's just set it aside and imagine that he does. It would be extremely out of character for Nick Diaz to call out anyone. He has done it. It would not be unparalleled but it would be out of character. I know that Nick at one point had called out George St. Pierre. I don't know that I can remember somebody else he called out. I remember Nick at one point had some kind of a beef with KJ Noons that he was more vocal. And Nick just, doesn't really call a lot of guys out. So if Nick was to do that, what would that mean? And Nick is not a fool. He is not going to take a shot, look thirsty, get brushed away by Khabib or anybody else. Which means if this information is true, that Nick, who would have certainly vetted this behind the scenes, believes he can get a response in the affirmative from Khabib. Did you guys ever ask somebody out, little kids? The middle school I went to, we called it going with. Will you, will you go with me? And then you would like boyfriend and girlfriend. or it, it, Going with, though, this was the term at the middle school I went to. Before you'd ever ask the girl out, though, you would send your buddy either to her or to one of her friends to find out what she would say if you asked her to go with you. All right. That's largely how somebody that operates on Nick Diaz's level is going to work. He's just not going to get brushed away. He's not going to have his moment in the sun, which with his name, with his ability to draw with everything that comes with a comeback fight, you can get more done with one win, if it's a comeback fight, with one win and one shot at a microphone, you can get more done than anybody else could with three years of being unbeaten. Nick beats Lawler. Nick will have, that night, the attention of Kamar Usman. 
He will have the attention of Colby Covington, and one of those guys is going to be champion of the world in five weeks. So it's one of these things. If he uses that shot to go after Khabib, I just don't think that Nick's going to take a shot that he does not have a reasonable belief he could get. I will share with you, if you are of the mind that this information may not be accurate. I'm in that same camp. I am. But Tommy's very good, and all Tommy's claiming is that certain people from Nick's camp are saying this. And that is one interesting moment, because Khabib, who has been very clear in his intentions, still is a human being. He has the right to reassess and reevaluate any opinion that he's formed when he's confronted with new information. That would be a new, random opportunity to have some real fun and get some real mega attention. I mean, think about how much you would like to see Khabib versus Nick Diaz right now at 170. So you throw a caveat on, which is Khabib's got to go up a weight. That makes things interesting. Imagine right now, though. You would go for that right now, correct? Okay. What if Nick wins? If Nick gets a win over a 170-pound champion of the world who will be in the Hall of Fame someday, Robbie Lawler, whatever you're thinking for your anticipation for a Nick Diaz fight, it's going to go up several fold. It's very interesting. It's very, very interesting. I don't predict for you. You want I think would happen? Even if this was Nick's diabolical plan, in the moment, I just don't think he's going to do it. He's going to pay a compliment to his brother, to his team, make the crowd erupt, maybe throw a couple of middle fingers out. And then Nick's going to be called out instantly. People will be going on social media hoping to catch the media's attention before they go to the press conference so the media can say, Vincent Luque says, Kamara Usman says, Kobe Covington just tweeted. And then Nick gets called out. And then Nick does what Nick does, which is look extremely uninterested. Make you all believe you may never see him again. Go back, count his chips, wait for the phone to ring. That would be much more likely. But what if? What if Tommy's information is accurate? What if Nick Diaz gets a win? What if Nick Diaz calls out Khabib? So Diaz and Lawler is happening at 170, a division I love talking about. And Leon Edwards, one of the top guys in that division, did an interview this week that caught my attention. My thoughts on that next. But first, I want to tell you about some of our sponsors. Today's episode of Your Welcome is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the most comprehensive, tasty, daily nutritional beverage I have ever had. With so many stressors in life, it's difficult to maintain effective nutrition habits and give our bodies the nutrients it needs to thrive. Busy schedules, poor sleep, exercise, stress, or simply not eating enough of the right foods can leave us with a deficiency. This is where Athletic Greens has come to the rescue for me. One scoop of this daily, all-in-one superfood powder contains 75 vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, greens, superfood blend, and more. They all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in our diet increase energy and focus, help with digestion, 
and support a healthy immune system all without the need to take multiple products. What a relief. Athletic Greens is my one stop for it all. So simple, so easy. For you athletes out there, this product is NSF certified for sport. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you are keto, paleo, vegan, dairy free or gluten free, and it contains less than one gram of sugar without compromising on taste. Athletic Greens is offering my audience a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit my link today. Covering your bases with Athletic Greens makes investing in your energy, immunity, and gut health daily simple, tasty, and efficient. Simply visit athleticgreens.com slash and join the athletes and health-conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to optimal health every day. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com slash and get your free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. Let me tell you guys a recovery drink I've added to my post-workout routine. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with tons of sodium, potassium, and magnesium. You might be saying, tons of sodium? Well, yeah, we don't realize it, but when we sweat, sodium is the first electrolyte we use. Electrolyte imbalances can cause symptoms like headaches, cramps, fatigue, and weakness. It's not the best feeling when you're trying to get in a daily solid workout. Whether you're in the wrestling room or hitting the pavement doing a run in the summer heat, everyone needs their electrolytes. What I appreciate most about this product is it's formulated with everything you need and nothing you don't. None of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. I was pleased to find out that Element is the exclusive hydration partner to Team USA Weightlifting and many other Olympic athletes. Navy SEALs use it, moms and exercise enthusiasts. Everyone needs their electrolytes. I drink Element almost every day to recover after my workouts and when I don't, I can feel the difference. Element has a very special offer for my listeners only. Order a free Element sample pack and you only have to pay for the cost of shipping. That's it. Claim your free sample pack at drinklmnt.com slash chale. That's D-R-I-N-K lmnt.com backslash chale for your free sample pack. Leon Edwards used to think he didn't do media because he sucks at it. I don't have that opinion anymore. I think he doesn't do media either because he doesn't know how, meaning just contacts, just know who to talk to, or he doesn't like it because he does not suck at it. I take that back completely. He's actually very good at it. Leon will put something down and five other, they might not like it. They might dig into it like a bone, but five other people will pick up on it and talk about what Leon's talking about. Well, that means he's good at it. And he is pretty damn interesting. He was making a point just earlier today. He was, two things. First off, that the UFC, I believe, him speaking, I believe the UFC is trying to get me beat. Now, that was one of the ones that five people picked up on to, to pick apart. I'll be, I'll be guy number six, only because they've matched him up in the last calendar year with Blahal, and they matched him up with Nathan. 
of which Leon was a sizable favorite going into both of those fights. Three to one on uh, with Blahal, three and a half to one with Nathan. So I don't know that the UFC is trying to get him beat, but it was still an interesting thing to put down. I see people digging into it all the time. That's all that you need. You want to be good at media? Say something that the media talks about after you get your stuff and walk off the set. They do that, you're good at it. He's good at it. Then he made a case he was talking about fighting for the title. He said, I'm fighting for the title. That's it. I'm fighting for the title. If somebody comes out and tells me I must earn it one more time, fine. I'll do it, and I'll do it against Masvidal, but I'm going to do it on my timeline. Then he elaborated to what he meant, and he said, Masvidal's people, meaning his manager, said, we'll take the fight next year. And Leon said, I'm not waiting till next year. I need to get this going now. So make me the number one contender or give me the number one contender's match. Either way, but give it to me now. Okay, I'm in. I'm on Leon's side. I don't think there's anything wrong with a guy wanting to be busy, particularly with the inactivity. Nobody got treated worse, at least by just a run of bad luck. A good run of bad luck during the pandemic as it pertains to this sport than Leon. He got a terrible hand dealt to him. And now he's active, he's busy, he wants to stay out there. I think he's an interesting guy. I don't know that I thought that was true a number of months ago. I now find, I find Leon to be very interesting. And that fight with Mosley, the mere fact that Leon thinks, arrogantly or foolishly enough, that he is in the driver's seat for either a title fight or a fight with George Mosvidal, the sport's second biggest star, the second most bankable athlete in mixed martial arts is George Masvidal. And Leon is calling the shots? Man, that's interesting to me. I can give him a hard time about it like everybody else. Why? I'm interested by that. That's entertaining to me. Why do you think that you're going to tell anybody when your world title fight's going to happen? Why do you think you're going to tell anybody when you and Masvidal are going to get down when he's the A-side by a light year? I don't care. You don't have to explain it to me. You don't to explain a damn thing to me. You just got to make me interested. And Leon, you just did it. I want to spend the rest of the show talking about some miscellaneous subjects, like a new MMA promotion that's been proposed, and some more strong words from a former champ about another former champ. Daniel Cormier talking about Conor McGregor and says that Conor McGregor might have marked out for his own gimmick. Now, these are industrial terms, so let's make sure that we explain them. Okay, gimmick just means the character that you're coming. You might be the good guy, you might be the bad guy. Some gimmicks are real simple. Chris Lieben was just doing an interview, talked about some of the gimmicks he had where he used to dye his hair red and then he'd point, he'd point at the camera with one finger. But that was real. People would stick around to watch him do it. People would wait in line to get Chris's autograph and they would ask him to, to do that finger, right? I felt like it was gimmick infringement when he was doing it. I thought he stole the finger from Boss Rutten. That's a whole nother story, as simple as that might sound, to make your hair a certain color and point a certain way that nobody else does when you do a photograph. That was Chris's gimmick for a while and it worked really well. Then you have a guy that comes in in a certain outfit, or this guy's the trash talker, or this guy's the, the thug life representative, whatever it is, you have your gimmick. You use the gimmick to try to get over with the crowd. 
If the crowd is not attached to you and that means they don't like the gimmick, you got to go find a new gimmick. But that's what that word is. Now, when you talk about marking out, a mark is the person in the crowd who thinks it's real. The person at the professional wrestling event who is in tears because the referee who was knocked unconscious did not see his favorite wrestler being hit over the head with a steel folding chair. And by the time the referee came to, the chair was out of the way and his favorite wrestler was getting covered for the one, two, three. That guy in tears is the mark. That's who we're playing to. That's our mark. So if you mark out for your own gimmick, it's where you buy into the character that you created so much that you can't separate and differentiate who you are as a person and what was the act. So that's what Daniel's talking about, because I have that same fear. I have that same fear, but I don't quite have the confidence that Daniel has in labeling Connor a certain way, because I have watched him masterfully maneuver through a very tough industry, and I'm actually watching Connor do some of his finest work right now. Do you know how hard it is to be talked about if you don't have a fight coming up? Even if you want to fight a massive fight, if it's not coming up, you just don't fit into the media cycle. Super Bowl 15 was massive. Massive. Do you realize why ESPN has not spoke about Super Bowl 15 in decades? I mean, you do understand this, correct? Because sports just don't have a mechanism built that way of what happened yesterday. It's current and what's going to happen. It just goes that way. So if you're Conor McGregor and you're hurt, you're broken, you're in rehab, and you're still a headline you are doing something very well. And I don't know that I can't, I just can't quite blame him yet. I can't. I can't defend why he was at that nerd MTV. I, I can't explain that. Maybe he's got a little touch of nerd in him. Fine. But I don't know that he's marked out for his own gimmick. I don't know about that. And the best gimmicks are where a guy isn't acting at all. The best gimmicks is where a guy is who he is and then he just turns the volume up. If he's funny guy, he comes out and he's a really funny guy. If he's the rough tumble guy, he comes out wearing a chain and he punches his chest a couple of times. I mean, but just be yourself with the volume up. That is what the greats would tell you. That is what Stone Cold would tell you. That is what The Rock would tell you. But you can't always do that. Maybe you aren't an interesting guy. Maybe you're well aware that even with the volume up, it's still a little dull on this side of the party. Okay, that's where you then have to go get creative. And that's where you get a little bit more shtick and a little bit more gimmicky. But falling for your own gimmick, it's very real. And we've seen this in the world of professional wrestling a number of times. The ultimate warrior, rest his soul. But the ultimate warrior was so into this character, that of warrior, created by Vince McMahon, trademarked and owned by Vince McMahon, that warrior tried to sue Vince to get the rights to it and even changed his real life name from Jim Hellwood, changed it to warrior. He thought somewhere through presumably awful legal advice or advice of a six-year-old that if he changed the name, he then somehow had the rights to copy and write infringement laws that he could be warrior, that he could take that, he could run that shtick, he could go back on to the wrestling circuit and come out and wrestle under his real name of which now is Warrior. To which Vince is going to say, great, do away with the hair, do away with the face paints, do away with the arm dangles, do away with the music, don't grab the ropes, that's all the character that I have trademarked for you. It's just one of those things where somebody can mark out, they fall for it and they forget. They really forget. And in professional wrestling, they will try to do that within the circle. 
They will try. I got a guy. Levi Cooper, all-American, handsome, young, comes from a great family. Everything's going right in life. He goes into the WWE, and they have him wrestle as the uh, Tucker. Levi Cooper, who I've known since he was nine years old, is now wrestling as Tucker. I go to a backyard barbecue at Levi's house after he had just done an NXT show. The next day, we all get together. Levi's in town. His parents are calling him Tucker instead of Levi. But that is how you do it. That is how you live that gimmick. That is how you stay in character, is you take it from the ring to your real life. If Hulk Hogan was to book a reservation for a restaurant, he doesn't call up and, hey, table for two, Terry Bolia. He will book it under Hulk Hogan. He will live the gimmick. And you can see how if you never separate, and if you live the gimmick and the character at all times, that you can then do what Daniel's talking about, which is mark out for your own gimmick. I'm just not sure where, within Connor's stick, he had to be a prick. He was aggressive towards opponents. He would show up late to his own press conference. He would make people clamor to come watch him when he was about to warm up, when he had a match for sale on pay-per-view. These were the brilliance things. These were the entertainer. This is when he's broken in half by Poirier, but they haven't faded to black and rolled the credits yet, and the entertainer grabs the microphone from down on the canvas of which he can't even stand up off of and finishes his job, which is entertaining the crowd. So there's some real beautiful things, and it's very easy to mark out for your own gimmick. A great gimmick, you will live it. You will become it. The great actors in Hollywood... If they're going to go do a Western movie, they will go set things aside and and live like a cowboy for three months to get into that role. The great ones do that. The difference in Hollywood is when that ends, you then start reading other scripts. You start adapting to go into the next role. It can be a very hard thing. Look, I don't want Sean O'Malley to do it. I'm only this much worried about Sean. I'm this much confident that Sean knows exactly what he's doing, but I'm worrying this much. Does that make me the mark? Possibly. Possibly it does. But O'Malley is another one of these gimmicks that is getting over. It would be very hard for Sean to get away from his current gimmick. He would kill a character who the world loves. Who's going to do that? If you've got the power of the pen and you're writing the script, why would you kill a character that the world wants to see? The other side of it is that character is also the person he's got to be when he's not in the sport. It makes it tough. It would be a miss for Sean O'Malley to let his hair go back to its natural color or to cut it and trim it or to not show up at an event with sunglasses and with some famous people around and acting like he doesn't care. He works very hard to give the impression that he's not working hard at all. It's his gimmick. It's great. And everybody loves it. It just gets to be one of those fine lines where he has a beautiful placement on the card. It's beautiful. Sean brings something to the table. There's no other 135-pounder who can guarantee as high of a placement on a card as Sean O'Malley aside from the current champion. The current champion will be put in there because he has to be. Sean's put there because he's earned it. That's where he belongs. That's where you, the masses, have raised him to. It's still a fine line. That can be taken away. That is done with the power of the pen. 
there are favors that are done to get those spots. If I ever didn't have those spots, the, the, the phone calls I would have made behind the scenes, the deals I would have been willing to make to make sure that I got that spot. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. He's playing with fire. And again, there's only this much of me that's worried about Sean. This 3%, 97% of me is confident. Sean's got this. He knows what he's doing. Fine line. Sean's a young man. He will go through it at some point. Conor McGregor's had a lot of success, but he's a young man. He hasn't been in this sport a terribly long time. And even as those years go by, if you look at how many years went with inactivity, he, he, he hasn't been in it that long. He's still learning. I just think that Connor and Sean, as they are still learning, I think that they're teaching more than they need to be taught. I think they're in great positions. I think they're a step ahead. But I can't dismiss what Daniel Cormier said where it does appear that there needs to be a more distinct separation between the person and the character. Our good friend Errol Helwani. Errol set something down the other day. He set it down and walked away from it. But it was an image put out on Instagram. Had like stacks of money and then it had a little caption at the bottom that very successful fighters and promoters from around the world have teamed up and they're going to launch a new mixed martial arts league. But they're going to share the revenues as follows. And they're going to have health care benefits as follows. And they're, going, they're just going to solve all the world's problems, right? Like Santa Claus is getting in to MMA. Okay, fine. Fine. Every few years you have a press conference, something along these lines. This one distinctly is not going to be ready to go until 2023. Now that's a red flag. Right there is a red flag. It also, with these former world champions and successful promoters and industry insiders, none of them were named. Now that's tough. In all fairness, that's tough because somebody made the screenshot that Ariel put out. Somebody had some level of graphics department. Somebody chose to take money to explain the story of MMA, which was baffling. Somebody put the caption. Somebody got it in Ariel's hands. Somebody convinced Ariel that it had legs and Ariel put it out. I guess all we're left with is do you buy it? Do you believe that this is real and or going to happen? I would not cheer against anybody. There was an entrepreneur out there and they were trying to get going to something, whether it was this space or something else, I'm not going to cheer against them. I will just tell you some red flags that came out. No flag as big as having zero names attached to this. Somebody sent that image to Ariel, who does his due diligence, who would not put it out unless he had reason to believe that this was going somewhere. Who is that person? Why is that person not taking credit? If you're ready to go to the media on some level, if you're ready to start going and get branding going, 
you would have a name attached. You would have somebody who could ask you questions and follow-up questions. All the way down to one of the simple ones, which is why is it going to be in 2023? Why? Why not tomorrow? Like, what would possibly be holding you up? Do you not know how to get a venue? Do you not know what ticketing laws are in a certain jurisdiction? Do you not have the athletes? Do you not have the cameraman? Do you not have the infrastructure? What part of it is that you don't have? I think I can answer the question. You don't have the money. I think I could answer that. Anybody new who has applied for a promoter's license would be public information. I have not gone to that level to research it. But I also don't believe within this space that that would have kept a secret. Therefore, I will conclude for you that nobody has done that. So we have a promotion with an unnamed promoter who is yet to be licensed, who doesn't have the funding and doesn't have the infrastructure, but believes that he will have all of those things by 2023. How do you get excited? How do you go sign with that guy? If you're an up-and-coming, you're an aspiring fighter, and this is what you want to get into, and there's a new league out there, and there's new opportunity, how do you get a contract? And if you get a contract, what is it you're training for? And you start to see where there's major problems with the dates. And there's not very many people who have ever tried MMA. There's only a couple of people who ever succeeded in MMA. But of the people who have tried, and the very few who succeeded, what happened to the rest of them? And there seems to be lessons and there seems to be some common themes with all of them, which is simply, they just started too big. If you think you're going to come in on day one and do international business, if your dad is an executive at Globo TV or your aunt sits on the board for ABC or NBC, you've got some kind of an in like this, it is possible that you could get off the ground. But now what are you going to do with it? What sponsors are going to come to the table? Who's going to buy a ticket? I mean, in all fairness, do you like MMA? Let's start with that. Asking you a question. Do you like MMA? Okay, let me ask you the same question. Do you like MMA or do you like UFC? And there's some very vast differences. I can remember in the IFL days, I was an assistant coach for the Wolfpack, our team out of Portland. And I don't want to be the skunk at the garden party. I'm there. I'm assisting. I'm in the jersey. There's a salary that comes with it. But I get asked by the media, hey, what do you think? How do you think this is going to do? And I wasn't as savvy back then in some of my responses, right? A smart man knows what to say. A wise man knows whether or not to say it. I said, guys, the ring. The ring has never worked in North America. And the reporter that I was working with, I did not realize was a shill for the organization. I thought he was a reporter that just happened to be at the organization. I find out his shill status when he starts pushing back and arguing with me. Now the problem there for him is there is no argument because my claim was very simple. The ring has never worked in North America. That's a factual statement. It's never worked on a regional show that's tried to get up and going. Hook and shoot comes to mind. Hook and Shoot was a top show for a period of time. Did a great job right out there in Indiana, but they used a ring. Didn't translate the same. Pride came to the United States one time, but they used a ring. It didn't translate. The ring was tough. That apparatus was tough. And some of the lessons that need to be observed and learned from the IFL are massive. If you are not an absolute student 
of the IFL specifically and of their business model and of what worked and what ultimately led to their demise. If you are not an absolute expert in all things associated with IFL, you have no chance within this space. You have no chance of understanding. And it's like anything in entertainment. There's always a cart horse scenario. Do I find the show or do I find the money? Do I go get the money and then I go get the show? Everybody, every production, everything that's ever been made is going to have to ask themselves that same question. And what a guy did for 10 times in a row for the 11th and 12th time, he might do it the opposite way. He's going to be forced with that same question. Do I find the money or do I find the show? Which do I do? And the guys that will start very small are the ones that have been able to grow. Mark Cuban gave a hard look getting into MMA. Now, Mark knew the question that I'm asking you was going to be the ultimate question. Do people love MMA or do people love the UFC? So Mark, who's a billionaire, did a show, small one, local, right there in Texas. He shows up to it. He dresses in a t-shirt, puts a hat on, goes right down into the audience, and he begins asking them questions. Do you like this? Do you like the, the walkout? What do you think of the music? How do, what do you think of this light? What do you think about the way the cage is formed? Right? He asked good, simple questions to all of the wrong people. He asked them to his drunken audience that doesn't have the foggiest idea what they like. But in all fairness, most consumers don't. It's not my job to know what I like. I trust you. You're the cook. Bring me a ham sandwich that tastes better than the other guy's ham sandwich, and I'll be back tomorrow. I don't need to know why. I don't need to know whether you use Dijon or yellow. I don't need to know if this is hickory smoked or is baked by your wife in the kitchen. I just know it needs to taste better, and I'm trusting you to be the one to make it taste better, right? I mean, in all fairness, it's one of these things. And Mark Cuban looked at it, smart guy. He says, you know what? My love and my belief in MMA still exists. My belief that MMA, not called UFC, can thrive in this current market no longer exists, got out a checkbook, sent it off to the boys at Zufa, and said, make me an investor. And it turned out to be a fantastic investment. But this is a smart guy who started small. So he was never going to lose big. He started to align his troops. He started to try to learn. Not too many cooks in the kitchen. A press release that says you've got multiple promoters and former world champions, I mean, there's nothing impressive within that list. Nothing. You're not going to get any credit for being an intelligent guy if you put fight promoter next to your name, in all fairness. Unless your name is Scott or Dana, you put fight promoter next to it, you have not now impressed anybody. And you are going to impress even less people if you are a former fighter. What does that mean? Were you any good at it? Oh, you were good? Okay, well, you said former. I assumed if you were good at it, you'd still be doing Okay, are you broken down? Are you washed out? Do you have anything to put on a resume? I'm just saying, like, these aren't things that you would brag about. This was not the dean of the Harvard Law School has stepped forward and decided to get involved in MMA, right? It's one of these things where somebody created a level of press relief that had nothing to do with MMA, had no athlete, had no ring. It had stacks of $100 bills, very weird visual that you think an audience is then going to, he must be talking about MMA. Hey, look at that. There's a stack of $100 bills. They must be talking about MMA. It was just a very weird visual. Then the graphic under it that gave very limited information other than how we're going to do business, which is the first thing any business that was good at business would never reveal. That you would never reveal to anybody what your playbook is before you go out and initiate it. And then above everything else, 
as good as we are and as great as things are, and I, I realize that this press release sucks, but everything else we're going to do is very well. And now we have till 2023. What? Like, like, like what just happened here? And it's a real tough reality. It's a very tough one for people that love it and they're gung-ho. Very tough. Do you love MMA or do you love the UFC? All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. If you enjoyed it, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you dislike. I want to hear from you. Thanks to my sponsors. Thanks to all of you. And I do hope you come back on Friday for some official UFC 266 predictions. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.